The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Cowboys! Let's go, baby! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman. David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Thursday, October 28th, 2021, Season 17, Episode number 49. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break. We're live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. we got some uh, injuries that we're going to catch you guys up on today's show. we got a few things Coach McCarthy said that we want to talk about. We'll be joined by Bucky Brooks in the second segment. We will focus in today with him on the Minnesota defense versus the Cowboys offense. And then a little later in the show, I want to ask these guys a little bit about the offensive line. And I want to zero in a little bit more on the red zone. The red zone has been a problem for them this year. And talk to these guys about what they think uh, or how they think the Cowboys can possibly fix that. Let's start first with some updates. Uh, Let's go through this list of the guys who are injured or returning and, uh, and just get an update on where they are based upon yesterday's practice. Obviously, we start with the quarterback, Dak Prescott, calf injury. He was limited yesterday. What did Coach McCarthy say about his practice? He said he did a lot of work and he looked good doing it, and the plan is to keep him on that regimen today. He went through an extensive rehab at the start of practice. It was really funny. Mike McCarthy and Will McClay both watched it from about five feet away just to give you an idea of, you know, he's, he's the quarterback. He's important. Yeah. Uh, and then when that was over, he mixed into individuals, and then they kicked us out of practice. Um, I don't think – I don't know I don't know how much he did in team, and Mike McCarthy doesn't want to say. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he did – if he took team reps, but he did a lot of work in the first – which the early part of practice is almost an hour long. So, I mean, he worked at it for a solid hour. He was throwing passes. He was working with the skill players, and he looked pretty good to me. And so the, the plan is for him to do that again today. And um, with any luck, he'll mix how into much, team. From the things that he did do yesterday, how much uh, like footwork is involved as opposed to when he's doing team reps? I mean, he was doing the quarterback stuff. He extensively worked with the running backs on your footwork on the handoff, pitching, making sure you're lining up right, all that type of stuff they work on. He was throwing routes on air with the – receivers and the tight ends um and even even when he was working on his own he was practicing his dropbacks he was torquing his hips and going through the throwing motion um so a lot i would uh, that he he didn't look very gimpy to me if you want me to be honest i'm not a medical professional so try not to read into that too much but he was moving well in my opinion and he was working on the cords at one point uh, with the with the training staff, the medical training yeah. staff, and it didn't look like again when you see cords, you know, basically you got a guy tethered to you and you're having to move. That would be when you would think it would look a little bit like, okay, I don't know if I can really get what I got weight that I'm pulling. Can I really do this? He didn't look really any different for me. Now again, I'm not a trained medical professional to know what different looks like, but it certainly didn't look a lot different to me. He looked like he was moving okay. I completely agree. 
Yeah, the question for me is how much Cooper Rush is getting, how many snaps is he getting? Because if he's getting the exact same amount, I think that would be a miss here. I, I think he needs to get some more. Um, I think it, and it's Dak is playing so well in his game right now with this offense that if he doesn't practice on Wednesday or Thursday or whatever, I think he would still be okay. He's kind of mixing in and out. But this is an opportunity because because of the nature of this injury it could grab you at any time and it could happen in the game i mean whatever he's doing out there he's not going to be doing sunday at the game with a guy chasing him tackling him bringing him to the ground so cooper rush could have to play i think you know if they're not getting him a lot more reps than normal again like i said that would be a miss that's actually really a good point because when you think about it the way he got injured like that was just a freak he threw the ball. Yeah. He came down a little awkwardly, and that's how the injury happened. What's happened? What's what's to say that you're not in the middle of a game? Yeah. Same thing. You make the throw. You come down a little awkwardly, and here we go, right? Yeah. So it's, I think you, that's a good point. He's not going to do anything out here that he's going to be doing there, and and you know they don't they don't care about his red jersey in Minnesota. In fact, right. they want to hit him a lot harder. So um, within the rules, of course. But sure, within the rules. Okay. Everson Griffin and those guys over mm. there. Everson. He's over there. I know. He's one of their and top players. And has four sacks. Like, yeah. yeah. He's not playing poorly. He's he's back to being the good old Everson. You saved that here. We knew. So. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on. Talk to me about Dorrance Armstrong. He returned to practice yesterday. Uh, how much did he work in? He was, uh, again, we don't see the interesting part of practice, but he was there. He was participating. He's limited. If you're limited on Wednesday, it's usually a good sign that you are going to progress as the week goes along. They wouldn't start you out doing stuff if you weren't ready for it. So he looked fine to me. I th- was his injury? High ankle? High ankle. Ankle, yep. Week two. So, I mean, it's been it's been six weeks. Um, I think that's, that goes for, like, everybody that you're really concerned about for this game. Like Tyron Smith started with Britt, but he moved over to team as Diggs. they went on i don't remember Diggs was Diggs was just practicing he yeah. didn't do it like he's even fine. though they listen as limited that i'm sure you know yeah. i doubt he got every rep but yeah. we don't see that he when you're looking for the telltales of like okay he's with the rehab group Diggs wasn't doing any of that he yeah. was just out there I ready mean, to go that injury report is i mean they do it but they also do the the bare minimum because and that's just that's just the game that, that is played. I mean, there are guys that are practicing in that 21-day window, but I don't believe they're on the injury report, right, Michael Gallup? If they're yeah. IR, if they're still on IR, they're not off removed from IR until the team actually yeah, Gallup and, activates them, right? Re, right. Michael Gallup and Kelvin Joseph don't even have to show up on this report right. because they're not technically on the roster. And, and the team's, team's going to take advantage of it. Yeah. They don't. Have we heard anything about how those guys looked yesterday in practice? Gallup, yeah, Michael Kelvin Gallup Joseph. looked a bit slow. That's what C.D. Lamb said. Yeah. C.D. said he looked slow? Yeah, and he said uh, looked a little slow. Right. But that, you know, <laughs> then he said, like, because he's coming back into it, you can kind of tell. But, you know, he said he'll be back to, to his old self in no time. It wasn't a it wasn't a dig, but he just it was, I thought kind it was kind of joke. weird, especially for a receiver to say another receiver. Yeah, he looked a bit slow, but you know he was trying to just say that's yeah, yeah not his his old self. But I'm pretty sure McCarthy today, which this shouldn't be sh- shocking, but he I'm pretty sure he said Calvin Joseph is going to be up for this game, which that is a mm. surprising amount of transparency, but it's also just common sense. Maurice Kennedy's on IR with a concussion. Right. Joseph is in his second week of practicing. He was doing special teams during practice yesterday. 
he's going to be up for this game. Right. He's not on the roster right now, but I and think don't necessarily think that that for for fans out there, he's listening. not it doesn't going mean he's to start. Be out there jumping out and, no. and taking Anthony Brown's place. It just means he'll be up. He'll play special. Might not spot. Might might not play a snap of defense right. unless something goes wrong. But I think he'll be in uniform. Do we hear anything this about is, this? Okay. Real quick. This is might be just information for me, but by the time I was leaving to go on maternity leave, I remember he wasn't really doing well, and it was kind of like, eh, wasn't that great out in in camp out there, the mini camps that they had. How was he after all that? Like once you guys got to camp, and he was fine. Doing all that. he looked. <laughs> That's he was a okay. great way to put it he too, Dave. He was he was fine. I did, like he didn't he didn't look like he didn't belong. He wasn't out there making plays every day. I like his confidence. I like his athleticism. So he can do enough to contribute, even though he's been out for. Was he one? better than Nashawn Wright? No. Certainly wasn't better than Anthony Brown. No. Wasn't better than Nashawn Wright. You know what I think was happening. I'm not going to call out names, but when you ask people that we interview at training camp uh the, the um the, there was a lot more praise about him than what we ever saw on the field so you're like wow what, what's going on in tape and all that but it's not like out here where where you know we saw everything we saw from start to finish and nobody and everything gets videoed and charted and all that mm-hmm. stuff and so we, we would hear from certain people that would say oh boss man's looking great and you're like oh you say so. I don't. Jerry? I haven't seen that. You're like Jerry. You talking about Jerry? Right, right. <laughs> he was one of them saying it. Sometimes, yeah, I know. You know. I know. But no, I, I just kind of think it was a, uh, you know, he's he's coming on too. He's looking pretty good too, and it's all, that's more of a scouting. Wait, department. let me be clear though. Are are you saying you think that was more just kind of like, yeah, we, we want him to be better, and they're kind of trying to manifest in the words, or do you think they really were seeing something where they're like, man, this guy's playing? I'm not. Really I'm not going to say that I, I, I see everything we all saw. But but a lot of the media, a lot of eyes are on practice. And it wasn't coming from the media so right. much that he was playing. It was from kind of from the team, which makes you think that there's a little bit more, you know, it's a more of a political answer. Hmm. And, hey, let's get this guy going. He's looking pretty good. Yeah, I don't care about that guy that got cut in wherever or this free agent that you've heard of that's going to go in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. We're not worried about all that. We got this guy, and we think he's doing well. And let's also be clear. When we're at training camp, it's a lot easier to notice when a guy gets a pick or gets a pass defense yeah. than it is when he gives up a play, right? So so they may have been looking at things with Kelvin Joseph where they're like, you know, he's playing solid in coverage. He may not be getting interceptions. He may not be getting his hand on the ball. But he's playing solid in coverage to where they aren't throwing at him because his guy's covered. That's the part that sometimes can get lost for the media. He's not going to unseat either of the guys starting anytime soon unless somebody gets hurt. That's yeah. my opinion. Yeah, and he he's the thing I did like about him, and I remember a play, I guess it was Arizona game. It was, you know, it was a deep ball early in the game. I mean, he gave up the pass, and but he he's got enough athleticism and speed. He's there. He's not. He's not getting like mm-hmm. burned. It's just going to take just a little bit of plan for him. I. I don't. I think he's going to be okay. I really do. But I just think he. He's not ready. He's not there yet. But it, as far as athleticism and all that, I mean, if you can remember Trayvon Diggs last year, he was getting beat yeah. a lot worse than that. You yeah. know, but they kept throwing him out there, giving him those reps. So hopefully they can find a way to do that. I want to be clear. I I agree with that totally. Like I'm not worried about him as a player. I think he's going to be fine. He needs to practice. Maybe as as the season goes, opportunities will become available. Whether that's because somebody got hurt or sub packages or whatever. But 
he, he's going to play in this game, and I think it's largely going to be special teams right. more than anything. All right, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Bucky Brooks of NFL Network. We'll talk about the Minnesota defense. When we come right back, this is DallasCowboys.com Radio. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com cowboys. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks. Free shipping. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. Back to the break. Get the ultimate fan experience for the ultimate Cowboys fan. Join Dallas Cowboys United, presented by Globe Life, starting at just $20. You join now. Get your fan pack. Exclusive benefits and more. Visit dallascowboys.com slash united for details and to join today. Welcome back. Second segment of the break, live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We're being joined right now by Bucky Brooks of the NFL Network. Uh, Bucky, we're going to talk a little bit about the Minnesota defense versus the Cowboys offense. One of the things I noticed as I was starting to, to kind of figure out what this defense looked like was that they have allowed less than 200 passing yards in each of their last three games. Uh, they've also kept their opponents under 300 yards passing in every game except for the game against Arizona. My question for you is, is that about their passing defense being really good, or is this about the quality of the offenses that they've played thus far? Well, I mean, they're really good. They're going to be really good because Mike Zimmer does a great job, and he wants to reestablish himself as a top defensive mind, and this defense played horribly a season ago. And so what they've done is they have their guys up front back. Daniil Hunter's back. Everson Griffin is playing well. Eric Kendricks is in the middle. And so that allows them to go and do some of the double A-gap pressures and blitzes and disguise and changing coverage that they want to do. He also has added some veterans back there. He had Patrick Peterson early in the year playing. They have some other veterans kind of mixing in there, Harrison Smith notably being there. And so when you have an experienced group, it allows you to dig a little deeper in the toolbox to give your team the best stuff that they need to be able to play well. 
I always think of guys like Deion Branch and James Jones, these receivers that would leave, come back to their quarterbacks and their system, and they would be so much better. Um, is that a case of like Everson Griffin and those guys of kind of just playing better in Minnesota than they were they were at other places? Yes, a lot of it is that. Uh, Everson Griffin, who I, I thought was an energizer bunny throughout his career, um, for whatever reason, I don't know why it didn't work in Dallas, but I will say in Minnesota, he's back to being the Everson Griffin that we've always sent. He has four sacks. He is still a guy with two moves. He's going to go with an upfield rush, and then he's going to set you up and come with a spin underneath. And if you're not solid and patient as a edge blocker, you're going to have a tough time because he's going to get sacks. And so they are very comfortable. And I think it's not only the familiar voices that are in the room, it's coaches knowing how to use those guys the best. Andre Patterson is an outstanding D-line coach. I think that's why some of that stuff works because they know how to use them and how to mask some of the deficiencies that they may have as an older player. So, Bucky, going kind of off what Derek asked, I mean, their front speaks for itself, but am I being a hater if, I, if I'm if i guessing that the front is the key to that, to their pass defense, I guess? Because, like, I'm looking at their secondary and I just don't feel impressed, or should I be? Like, Patrick Peterson's on IR now. Mackenzie Alexander and uh, Bashad Breland, who we know from Washington. I mean, like, there are plenty of wins there for the Cowboys passing game if, if the, you know, obviously if the offensive line holds up, right? I mean, if it was a game of one-on-one and they were playing, like, all-man and all that other stuff without the front, yes, theoretically, C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper should have their way with those guys in the back end. The problem is they do have the front, and they will junk it up. They will show you, we call that double A-gap pressure, they're going to test Dak and see, can he tell when they're coming and when they're not? Can they mess with the clock in his head while also playing games with the offensive line? Can they pick up all the switches on the stunts and loops in games? And then in the back end, because you have veterans, you mentioned Mackenzie Alexander, Brashard Breland. Well, those guys have played a ton of NFL games. So now Zimmer can do more things when it comes to coverage because they understand it. His frustration in previous years was the team was too young and they didn't know how to do the things that he wanted to do in the back end. With all that being said, I mean, would this be a game where you try to rely more on the running game? And, and if so... Can the Cowboys be effective enough to win a game like this by just kind of leaning towards more using Zeke and Tony? Well, I think a couple of things are in play with that. One, the health of number four and Dak Prescott. How healthy is he? You might have to lean on the running game more because you may be limited in terms of how you have to throw the ball. Can you do movement passes? Can you do those things that Dak was doing early in the year when they were doing bootlegs and some of the other stuff where he can use his athleticism. If he is a statue in the pocket, now you want to make sure that the running game is going because you don't want to kind of leave Dak out there unprotected against Daniel Hunter, who has six sacks, and Everson Griffin, who I told you has four. And so it's just really important that you can run the ball, slow down the pass rush, and when you do it like the pass, you can use play action to kind of keep those guys off of number four. When you're looking at this defense and the fact that they have those 21 sacks, uh, I was listening to Coach McCarthy this morning. He was talking about how, uh, for him, this uh, what they're doing right now with uh, with the offensive line has a lot to do with continuity. 
Do you, in just kind of your experience with, with NFL football, do you think that that's as big a deal when it comes to the continuity of the, of the offensive line? How big a deal is that for you? And do you think that maybe that's the reason why Dallas may opt to keep still in there, especially going against an aggressive defense like what it sounds like they're going to have to face this weekend? Yeah, I think you have to always evaluate the offensive line as a group. It's unlike any position in football. Those five guys have to be connected. And when they're connected, great things happen at the line of scrimmage. And so when you have Terrence Steele playing well, you have Zach Martin and Tyron Smith playing well, you don't want to tinker with the chemistry by moving people around. Even though Leo Collins may be a better player and more talented than Steele, it's working right now. So then what you try to do is, plug Leo Collins in at guard because he's an upgrade over Connor Williams. Uh, maybe you can solidify that left side and give your team a dominant left side when it comes to the running game. You have to be careful because chemistry really matters a lot at the offensive line. I think that's why you're seeing the reluctance and the hesitation when it comes to making significant lineup shifts, even though Leo Collins is back and ready to go. You think Dalton Schultz is playing at a at an elite level because any stats show that, or do you feel like he's just a byproduct of all these other weapons? And you can't just you have to just figure out a pick your poison, and he's benefiting from that. Uh, I think he's a good player. I don't think he's a great player. I think he benefits from the things around him: Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, um, the running game. If you're having to choose, if we're going down the checklist. He's down on the checklist of guys that I'm going to spend a lot of time and a lot of extra attention. So he's taking advantage of those opportunities, which is exactly what you want if you're the Cowboys. But I'm not ready to kind of put him in that Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle conversation in terms of being a guy that is special, special enough that you really got to put extra attention and extra bodies to him. Maybe the free agent signing last spring that I most would have liked to see the Cowboys get in on was Dalvin Tomlinson who the Vikings did sign. Uh, we've seen nose tackles give Tyler Biotish some problems here this season. How does Tomlinson compare to Vita Vea, Javon Hargrave, whoever you want to throw out there? I mean, is is that as problematic as it sounds on paper? Oh, it's problematic because Dalvin Thompson is a really good player. He not only is a player who is big and rugged, who has nice hand skills and a power game, he's a high-motor player. And so for Beatus, that means you got to pack your lunch, get your hard head and your lunch bell because it's going to be a long day. And he's going to have to battle because the easiest way to disrupt what an offense wants to do is to wear out the center. Because if you can disrupt what happens in the middle of the line, it changes how you do everything, running game, pass protection, and those things. So if we were having to pass out the big sombrero for the guy who has to play well, Tyler Beatus, you're up. Oof. He got the big sombrero this week because he has to play well. If not, it's going to be a problem. Mm. Oh, boy. <laughs> Uh-oh. Bucky, yesterday I asked you about them coming off the bye week. And, and I know it was just a Wednesday practice, they, them coming back. But the fact that that practice is being described as sloppy, does that kind of raise an eyebrow? Or is it just like the nature of it being the first practice back from an off week? It's the nature. It's the nature of it, like. I know we're talking about NFL athletes and pros, but they're just like little league players. <laughs> if you give seven and eight year olds six days off and they come back, they're all looking at butterflies and picking dandelions and those things. So it takes them a while to refocus. And so it's the same thing that the coaches will tell you. They know that that first practice is going to be a little rough, 
You now want to make sure that Thursday and Friday, though, are a little more buttoned up. Friday's practice in particular is the most important. You want to make sure that mentally everybody kind of understands what they're doing. We're all on the same page. We're operating efficiently and smoothly, and everything is effective. So I wouldn't worry as much about the Wednesday, but, yeah, the next two days they need to be solid. Yeah, thanks for that that image in my mind. I'm thinking of Tyron and Zach now over on the sideline, like looking for worms in the ground and maybe not playing those, games. Not those guys. It's <laughs> interesting. That's an interesting mental image. Yeah. Um, all right. So so now we need a prediction, Bucky. What do you think is going to happen this Sunday? Cowboys versus Vikings. No, look, man. I think everyone understands the urgency that the Cowboys need to play with. Like, it's one thing to go from good to great. It's another thing to go from great to really being a title contender. I think we see a great effort. Uh, the only person I would worry about is Dak Prescott. What do you have to do to limit Dak Prescott to make sure he doesn't further injure himself? Does that mean more shotgun run because he doesn't have to move and take it back to Zeke and Tony Pollard? You'll see some things, but no, I expect the Cowboys to play well. I think the bye came at the right time. I would expect to see a very energetic effort, but this game is going to be tough because the Minnesota Vikings up there, the running game is going is going to just muddy it up. But I think the Cowboys win by seven. All right, appreciate you uh, joining us. We'll yeah. be back uh, next week to uh, to get you get ready for the next game against the uh, the the. Um I'm Come sorry, on, the you got Broncos. It. There Broncos. you go. There we go. All right, we're going to take our final break. We're going to come back. I got some questions for you guys about the Cowboys offense. With that, when we come right back, this is DallasCowboys.com radio. Hi, I'm Clint Tillerson with United Ag and Turf. Before you can park yourself in front of the game, park yourself in a John Deere and power through your chores. Our Land Run package is a 1025R, 25-horsepower tractor with a loader, rotary cutter, and a box blade for $229 a month. And the price you see is the price you'll pay. No surprises. So don't miss another kickoff. Visit unitedagandturf.com. Offer ends February 1st, 2021. Restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Now let's get to work. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. New Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. You deserve it. I do deserve that. You deserve decadent flavor without sugar. And a day at the beach without sand getting everywhere. And a relaxing bath that your children don't interrupt. I deserve all that? It's really just a visual metaphor for Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. Everything you want, nothing you don't. A visual metaphor on the radio. I do deserve that. Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. The zero you deserve is finally here. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com slash cowboys. Back to the break. Energize your next event with an appearance by the world-famous Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. Ignite the audience. Create personalized moments for all to book America's sweethearts for next event. 
Visit DallasCowboysCheerleaders.com slash appearances. Welcome back. Final segment of the break live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Got a few questions for you guys before we end the show. Let's focus in a little bit on this Cowboys offense. Uh, I was looking at some numbers around the offense. They are 24th right now in the league in red zone scoring percentage, and that's touchdowns only at 56%. Uh, Against New England, they were really bad, only 40% uh, percent. on, on red zone scoring. How much of a problem is this for them? Because they're an offense that scores a lot of points. They, they're they putting up points. They're getting a lot of yards. Uh, they're winning. How much of a problem is red zone scoring for them, number one? And number two, how can they get better? It's a big problem. It's been – it's it's a, it's the black mark on Kellen Moore's resume, honestly, because it's a trend. Mm. It goes back to, like, 19. They, they have not been as good as you would expect from a team with this much talent on offense. Um, road games have they were good they I think they were two or three against LA they were good in LA which you could argue wasn't a true road environment they were awful against Tampa too two of uh two of five there as well so that's is that about the quality of the opponent maybe I mean, I mean at, home, game, at home though they were they played some pretty bad teams yeah you know? and well, I mean they're a better team than New England like they should have won that game by more than they did um but I four of ten in those two games and then they were they were 9 of 11 in the other four, which is pretty good. But, again, a lot of that's against bad teams. Yeah. Um, it It is – I think it's the biggest problem facing this team other than just making sure you have good health. Uh, as far as fixing it, I think we talked about this with Lyle yesterday. Maybe if they plug him in at left guard, that gives you a little more power. Nick talks all the time about how they can't really – enforce their will when they get down near the goal line maybe having a big guy like that can help you with that um yeah i mean one of the things that surprised me too is that and we're going back into this minnesota game where he made you know cd made best catch of his career i i think his young career um they haven't we haven't seen that play have we in in the and during the season now training camp i thought we saw it every day so you know, fade. You know, fade. Uh, he passes. did. He caught a fade against New England. Get back of the end zone. Back of the end zone. Yeah. I guess I'm thinking more of the jump ball. Doesn't matter either way. You can throw it up there. It's, it's not a 50-50 ball really with him, and and it it's really more of a you know, it's probably a 75% play as far as catch or pi, and so which gives you a first down in the, at the one. So I think they should try that a little bit more. But yeah, they they can't. I, I guarantee you those three games that they've been the worst in, in the red zone, they're probably the worst running the ball. Like, mm. you know, and that's what it comes down to. It just comes down to running the football because you can't you can't go deep, you know, so they kind of know what you're going to do. It's just it's just man on man, and they're not, they're not strong enough, especially in the middle there. The other thing, too, and it's mad. You ask about how you can improve, and it sounds like a cop-out answer, but it execution is magnified down there, right? Like, I always go back to – we would still be talking about how cool that option pitch was in week one if Blake Jarwin seals off his man in space. Or, obviously, yes, if Zeke beats his guy. Either way, if you execute better, that's a fantastic play. If Dak holds on to the ball on the goal line on the sneak, it's a touchdown. And even then, you jump two to five to three to five is huge. That's an enormous percentage jump. And so, yes, I think – I mean – more, you got a more power on the line, maybe just better blocking, better execution. But at the end of the day, just execution across the board as well. And I think 
again, it gets magnified. Connor Williams and Tyler Biotis have had problems with that. Your tight ends are serviceable blockers. They're not maulers. They never will be. And that is which most tight ends are. Sure, yeah. I'm, that is not me. That is not a real criticism of either of them. But right. this this isn't 1996. Like yeah. these guys are mainly receivers, and you can take advantage of that a little bit better when the field gets condensed. Yeah, I mean, if I if the ball, if I'm sitting here, and the ball's at the two yard line or three yard line, and the play clock's running down, and you've already called one timeout, I think I'm just gonna go take a delay game. I think they're a better football team from the seven or eight than they would be from the two or three. <laughs> I agree with that run completely. It. And I just think because of their tight There's ends room, and everything, yeah. more room to, to you know give those receivers a little bit more. You know, and then if you if you play too far off, Tony Pollard seven yards, eight might be able to get it if you know on the right call. So I just think with more room, I think they're a little bit better. Which I think the caveat there is like if they actually plug Lyle in at left guard and he is this monster upgrade, maybe now you can bully people a little bit better, especially Connor McGovern, jumbo tight end with Lyle Collins playing left guard. I would like to see that that. left side now gets really, really strong. I would like to see that, but if you're not going to do that, or maybe LC's just not as dominant as we remember him being, I think, I think there's some like not that he wasn't good, but I do think there's some revisionist history there. Like there's that one play where he just pancaked three guys against Seattle, and that's all anybody sees, and they think he was doing that every week. I don't think that's a hundred percent accurate, but and maybe not. But I do. I thought it was interesting. You brought up yesterday on on Media Mash. He wasn't alternate to the Pro Bowl that year. Like it wasn't yeah. like he was a bad player at all. He was. He played at that level as a right tackle as well. He's a very I good offensive right. yeah, he's lineman. He's just a good yeah. offensive lineman, correct? Uh, yeah. So, if they do that and it works, I think that could change the way you play it down there. But I'm with Nick. The way that it, we've seen it so far, I think more space is better. I think misdirection is your friend. Mm-hmm. The you know the the play that I was so giddy about the fake toss throw to Zeke. Jet action, like every time you snap the ball down there, just anything to buy yourself an extra hesitation, I think they need to be doing because the way what we've seen so far is I just don't think they're powerful enough to just dictate the terms when it gets down there. Okay, Rob so, put Rob Phillips, he put together an article. I don't know if you guys read it or not, but um, basically, if you take away some of those really, really close calls, mm-hmm. they would be ranking third in the league, and he listed. Uh, in red zone defense, in red zone offense, obviously. But he listed some of those, and it, I'll read them to you guys. Okay. The would-be touchdown pass to Cedric Wilson against the Patriots that got ripped out in the mm-hmm. last second. Yeah. Two Dak Prescott quarterback, quarterback sneaks against the Patriots and Eagles that appeared to go past the goal line but mm-hmm. weren't ruled touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And that's when we talk about the microchips and all that. Yeah. Um a Dak Prescott throw to Dalton Schultz against the Giants that bounced off his hands, if you guys remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was pretty tight coverage, but it just kind of ended yeah. up kind of being a drop. And then a fumble snap by Dak against the Giants. So according to those, if you take those away that were really, really close calls, he I mean, they wouldn't. put the Bucs in there, did he? I, I, did, I don't know. Uh, I didn't say the Bucks, yeah. But that gets, goes to Dave's point, right? Yeah. That yeah. it's about execution. Right. Like, But once again, when you're talking about red zone efficiency, most times it probably is about efi- about your ability to execute. But right? I think if you compare it to last year, how mm-hmm. they were, I think they've improved a lot. I mean, now they're just they just seem to be right there to really, really getting better and, and benefiting from those and getting into the uh, touchdown zone. But compared to last year, I, I mean, they're right there. 
right there really improving well, and becoming it just a lot makes better me, in stats. It just makes me nervous, though, because, I mean, so five trips to the red zone, you score on two, you don't score on three. So three trips to the red zone, and you say you run two or three plays per possession, that's it's like eight snaps a game that make the difference between whether you score 40 points or 24. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's easy to just say, like, oh, they're so close. But, like, the, you got to do it, though. I, I mean, that's the that's the tricky part. The, the thing about this team, different than last year, is that, you know, you, you can get by with, with field goals a little bit more than you could have last year because they can score and their defense is going to take the ball away and not give up as many. So mm-hmm. uh, while you don't want to have – you know, don't want to settle for field goals the whole game. They can't win that many games, but you just want to make sure you don't have any empty trips because, yeah, you'd like to have seven there, but you've got three. You got the, you know, the Chargers game is an example of that. I got a couple of field goals there, but it's like, you know, they're they're going to do enough to stay in these games. And so, as, as long as you prevent the turnovers, you think you got an offense that's going to get enough volume to get back there again, mm-hmm. score again. Just don't do anything that 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 you know makes some mistakes. And and that's why I thought when Dak threw that interception against the Patriots, you know, after that you, it was a little bit more. Hey, everything's got to be the outside. We're not taking any more chances of turning it over. Of course, they did with the fumble, but you know, I still think he got in on third down. If there was going to be one thing you would do that you'd focus on outside of execution, because I do think execution is the big thing. There's one thing you were going to focus on as a coach of getting them better in the red zone. What would it be? Um, more um, jumbo sets on offense. Um, you find me a defensive tackle that can play fullback. Find me something that can. You, you don't know, like McGovern there. I, I, I have or is more, that fine too? I'm, I'm okay with okay. two of those. You know, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm all right. I've seen, <laughs> you, you want to do wishbone? I've <laughs> seen the Bears. The Bears with I think it was Matt Nagy. I think the Bears put four defensive linemen in a game one time. I just want to see Bohanna. I think he could do it. Okay. I, don't know. I think it'd be fun, but yeah. but I I think they need that. You know, if they're not going to play with a fullback, play with an un you know unconventional fullback. I go the other way. I say, wait, Spread I it out. we'll just trick it up. And I don't. Yeah. I'm not saying I want Cedric Wilson throwing you know throwing in the red zone. Although that's okay too. Sure, as long as we're not doing it every time you yeah. go down there. I just mean again, motion Tony Pollard or a receiver across the line as you go, like something to make the defense hesitate. How about a freaking I, I you can't call it a screen in the red zone, can you? But like a like what Gronkowski did in week one. Dalton Schultz fakes a block and then just loops back around. Like stuff like that. Trick it up, misdirect the defense, give them something to pause on. Cause what we've seen to this point, and it, again, it could change if if they switch it up at guard, but I just don't think they are powerful enough to bully people. So don't try. Trick it up. Confuse them. Amber? I mean, what else can I add to that? <laughs> you definitely need a combination of both and and not be predictable. A lot of the times how they go in there and they're so close, you just see that they, they don't move. Mm-hmm. So it, it's having that extra power right there on the offensive line to push them off and create some little bit of space and gap for somebody, if that's Dak or the running back, to be able to get in. But a lot of times it's like hitting a wall and doesn't get them anywhere. So... Combination of power, bulk it up, push it, and then trick it up with some plays. Yeah, yeah. That, oh, I just, like a a concept that I feel like I don't see enough of in the red zone is mesh, mm-hmm. because this. When, yeah, if if you're unfamiliar, just yeah. two guys crossing each other in the middle of the field. It's that easy, and you've, the, the field gets condensed. There's 22 bodies in not a lot of yardage. You're, each other. you're more than likely going to pick somebody yeah. off just in the run of traffic. And I just, that is a concept that I think would probably work more often than it wouldn't, but yeah. I'm not a coach. Yeah. 
And I think they do it sometimes. I'd like to, I, I agree with you. I'd like to see them do it more. I think that is a, something that works in a condensed space. All right, we appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we'll give you guys a, a good picture look at what we think is going to happen this weekend. Cowboys versus Vikings still in for Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, and Amber Garcia. I am Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break live on DallasCowboys.com. Radio.